welcome to the Memory Lapse Podcast. As per usual, I would like to apologize for last week's episode. I'm Tim. I'm Gingy. And I'm Tyson. All right, and this week we are talking about Legacy. Yay! So, Woohoo! So the parts in the room. Yay! Right. So where do we want to where do we want to start with Legacy? So we can go over a brief meta game breakdown. The decks I generally expect to see if I go to a Legacy tournament are probably... Miracles, Miracles, and Miracles. Miracles isn't the only deck in the <laughs> format. It's just one of the best. It's been one of the best for a very long time. It's one of the time. best, but not that many who will actually play it. Yeah. Well, a lot of people play it. A lot of people don't play it properly. Miracles is a very fun. hard deck to play. Mm-hmm. Um, with Nahiri recently being able to tutor out Emrakul, uh, the Aeon's Torn, you know, the good Emrakul, that we do not have in Standard, um, the deck has gotten a significant crutch... And it's it's also gotten a really good, reliable win comp for people that are veterans of the deck as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, personally, I like it. It's probably... Something's going to get banned from the deck at this point, I think. Probably. Just because it got way too solid of a win con in that. <laughs> um, I keep saying, like, my called shot to hurt that deck without completely crippling it and taking it out of the format, and this has been my called shot for as long as I can think of, is Terminus. I guess that could be fire. Terminus yeah. is one of the miracles, surprise, yeah. that makes miracles miracles. Yeah. Um, it's actually the only miracle that they play as a four of anymore. Yeah. And the reason that they play Terminus as a four of is because its mana cost is four white white. That sounds awful, right? Yeah. yeah. Seems pretty bad. Yeah, especially in Legacy. Sorcery. Ah. Never costing out thing, right? Yeah, right? never. Right? Never, no, never. Effect text is take all creatures on the field and put them on the bottom of their owner's libraries in any order. Oh, boy. Seems awful, right? That, that yeah, I mean, that except, doesn't seem off. That's pretty powerful. Except no. we have this mechanic called Miracle that reads, if this is the first card you draw this turn, you may pay it for its Miracle uh, its miracle cost instead. Now, what do you think would be a reasonable cost for, you know, something like that? Like, you have to draw it off the top of your deck. At least four. <laughs> See, I think two and a white would be reasonable for that's miracle cost. Uh, three could be fair, yeah. yeah. Um, um, that's one cheaper than your average board wipe. Most of your board wipes are four mana. Well, I think if it's three mana, it should be two colorless white, white white. Yeah. Or generic white white. Well, here's the problem. You'd be willing to overpay for that because that card's mana cost on its miracle cost is a single white mana. Boom. And if you draw it as the first card of your... Like, the first card that you would have drawn for a turn, even if it's your opponent's turn... You get to cast it as though we're instant speed. On your end step, I'm going to go ahead and crack my top and draw this card. And, oh, look, it's a Terminus. So I'm just gonna well, you usually do it, you, you do it during combat so you don't get hit for 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah usually. Yeah, the one you want to do on the end step for the Miracles, the Singleton and Treat the Angels that they have in there. Sometimes they play two. There's usually one in the main one on the board these days. Yeah. Anyways, other than Miracles, um, probably going to see a lot of Delver. Delver's um, a very popular deck. Del- Delver's just a good, solid deck. Well, there's multiple versions of Delver. There's yeah, just I mean, uh, well, I should say it's a good, solid shell. Yes. So um, how many variants of Delver do we have? Uh, a lot. You're not going to... I don't know. There's, like, there's, go over some of the big ones. There's Blue-Red, which is more aggressive. Mm-hmm. You kind of get like a Delver or Pyromancer in play and protect that thing. And <laughs> you just generally just kill them... Before what, turn five or six? Uh, it's usually around turn four or five, realistically, I think. Okay. Um, Could be longer. Like, the deck does have a tendency to grind sometimes. 
Like and Delver's not just like a super fast deck. They don't always well, go the blue red turn one Delver. Are... They don't always go turn one Delver Delver flip. No. Um, they also play Monastery Sphere, and that's basically all their creatures. And then it's just all spells. Some burn. Some play more burn. Some don't. That's the blue red versions. Yeah, um, for the spells you're looking at, you're probably looking at like lightning bolts, chain lightnings, um, preordains, ponders. No, they don't play preordain. I think I think it's ponder brainstorm. Probably. Um, days force of will, possibly spell pierce. Yeah, um, it's just a bunch of cheap interaction. Then there's the rug versions, which is red, blue, and green. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. What are we green for? Tarmogoyf. and. Uh, I don't know what the other thing is. Uh, Nimble Mongoose. That's there we go. <laughs> the main reason that you play green, yeah, I know, I'm bad. Um, but I feel like that one's just more of a tempo deck because they want to try to get you off balance by playing a one drop and then wastelanding you and keeping you from being able to play your own spells. Yeah, so I was talking to somebody, this was some time ago, but they said the Rug Delver is basically a mana denial deck. They go turn one, one mana threat. And then they just want to play Stifles, Wastelands, um, Dazes to keep you off of casting spells and getting yeah. your way out of there, and just beat you down with a 3-3. Three, three. Um, or a 3-2. Well, I, I played that deck for a little bit of time, and something that I've noticed about it is if you can play anything, any creature on turn one, and you have a Stifle, you basically win the game. If you're on the play. Because like you're on the play, one drop... Untap. Oh, you didn't fetch stifle your fetch land, and now you're behind two turns. Yep, that is a good way for Delver to get really, really far ahead. Uh, then you have what Grixis Delver now. Yep, Grixis Delver is probably the one that sees the most play these days. If I had to take a and stab it's at one, probably the most controlled version of them. Um, that's certainly the most consistent. I don't know what all they really pick up by going black, other than Cabal Therapy. But Cabal Therapy, the Inquisitions, the Thought Seasons potentially. Like, the discard suite is what always jumps out to me whenever this deck is going black. Now, do they even play Colgan's Commands? I don't think they play K-Command. I don't think it's really good enough for Legacy. It's three mana. Yeah, but I mean, like, you can destroy, like, a Batter Skull and deal two damage to a Thalia or something. Eh, but that costs four mana. That's not really a deck in the market of casting four drops. It's hardly That's a fair. deck in the market of casting three drops. <laughs> um... Well, the Soul Tie version gets Abrupt Decays, which is also another controlled version of the deck. Uh, so, Soul Tie is probably my favorite version, because they're the one that gets to go, like, turn one Delver, and they get to play Mongoose and Goyf still, and they get to play, like, Abrupt Decay, Him to Turok, Daze's Forces, they get to play all the cool interaction stuff. Uh, Soul Tie Delver is probably my favorite one, at the end of the day. I've always been a fan of Soul Tie. I didn't know there was a Soul Tie Delver. Oh, they so also get to play Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, they get... I mean, that's also what Four Color Delver does. They play Death Rates. Yeah. Um, Death Rate Shaman's a really good card. It is, in fact, a really good card. Yeah. It does everything, which is why it was banned in Modern. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's the Delver Your turn two Lilianas are good. Yeah, turn two Lilianas are really good. But we're not talking about Modern. You can do it in Legacy. <laughs> Actually, you can't do it in Modern. It's banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah shut up. <laughs> Continue Anywho. on your Delver list. We went well, over I mean, we, Blue Red, Rug, Bug, Grixis. We're missing one. Four color. Yeah, all right, so we're technically missing two then. Oh, Jesus. What, Just Guy? Yeah. Just Guy Delver's yeah. not really a thing anymore. But it was there for a time. Uh, True Name and Stoneforge are nothing to laugh at. Especially yeah, but when I you get to play them alongside, you know, like 
Yeah, and pyromancers, delvers, potentially monastery mentors. That deck sounds fun. Yeah. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to act oh, like I'm lying. Oh, wow. Hmm. It's almost like Jeskai Delver might be a thing somewhere still. <laughs> yeah, but that would be more like Jeskai Stoneblade. Like in our hearts. Oh, my God. You can stop it. <laughs> now, what, what's the other Delver deck we're missing? The four-color one you started to talk about. Oh, well, the four-color one's only four colors because it's playing... It's... It's what? Grixis core... It's everything but white. It's, it's actually the bug core, I think, splashing red for the Pyromancers and Bolts. But the only green thing, they're playing one green source for the death rate shaman. And they were up to K? Or, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> Got me. Got so it, it's basically... It's, it's like blue, red, splash, black, green. It, it's the best of the two decks combined. Uh, the only problem with playing it is you don't get to play Wastelands. Uh, you also have the greediest mana base yes. you will ever see. So say, you know, Death and Taxes, which a deck we're probably going to talk about here in a second, uh, can very easily shut you off from doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they can't do it super easily, but it definitely hurts whenever you get Wasteland in that deck. It's one that's most noticeable. And the other ones are pretty noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> um, Actually, I almost feel like Deathrite helps to offset that, so maybe it's not as bad as I think. Well, I mean, like... It's been if, a while since I played the deck. If they Wasteland you and then uh, path your Deathrite, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's right. one thing. You mean Swords your Deathrite? That's what I meant. This is Legacy, not Modern, Ginger. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Alright, so we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that later. Um, so we went over most of the Delver archetypes. We talked about Miracles for a bit. Uh, aggressive decks? Other than, you know, Blue Red Delver? Uh, I mean, I guess here? there's Burn. Yeah, Burn. There's always Burn. <laughs> <laughs> burn is a deck that does uh, a little move that I like to call three to the face. <laughs> it kind of specializes in it. Um, the big difference for anybody that's familiar with Modern is listening to us talk about Modern and all, which I don't think we have much. Um, we started out talking about modern, didn't we? I don't think we've we did. Done we it did much, once. Like we mentioned yeah. every now and then, modern's kind of no, like we, we started out with modern, and that was uh, the very first episode, and we were talking about bringing back uh, yeah, Phyrexian mana. Mental yeah, let's not. Phyrexian mana was the second episode, actually. Yeah. Mental misstep was the first episode, and that's the one we talked. Let's not have that in modern, please. <laughs> oh Anyhow. Um, what was I on about? Oh, right, Burn. It does a special move called Three to the Face. Yep. And if you've played against Burn in Modern, you should be wary of playing too many non-basic lands, because in Legacy, they get to do something especially punishing by playing a card called Price of Progress. Price of Progress is a one and a red. It's an instant. It deals two damage to each player for the amount of non-basic lands that they control. Which, while we're talking about Price of Progress, um, if you're playing any of the three-color Delver decks, they very rarely play basics. Sometimes they play, like, a singleton island or something, but yeah. it's not often. Yeah. Well, it's because the island finds them preordained, finds them ponder, finds them, you know, it lets them dig for stuff. Yeah. Yeah, also, if they get caught in a Blood Moon, especially the Soul Tide Delver deck, hmm. um, I don't know how uh, bad Grixis is against it. So the Sultai Delver decks actually play a basic forest and a basic uh, swamp, so they can cast Abrupt Decay through the Blood Moon. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So, like, they play very little basics. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, um, like, a lot of these lists play... A lot of Legacy decks in general play very few basics. Yeah. Um, so, so like, <laughs> Oh, go ahead. No, so Price of Progress does generally anywhere between, like, 4 to 10 damage to you, depending um, upon how late four it is. 4 is probably a low number, because that's two yeah. non-basics. I mean... It's generally anywhere from four to eight, because like if you're playing against Delver, they generally wasteland and stuff. 
Also, a trick that you can do if you're playing Wastelands is, in response to the price of progress, Wasteland your own land, and that saves you four damage. <laughs> so I may or may not have a story for this later, where I turned a 14 damage price of progress to me into a zero damage price of progress. <laughs> I mean, I'll, um, I'll, I'll tell this later. Let's yeah. talk about... Uh, so we talked about Burn. That's a monocolor deck, right? Yep. Talks about Price of Progress being really punishing and stuff. Yeah. So, like, what's it do against other monocolor decks? Uh, let's talk about Death and Taxes real quick. Death and Taxes is a mono-white deck. It's like a pseudo-prison control type deck. Uh-huh. Um, so it also actually gets really hurt by Price of Progress, which is weird. Um, mm-hmm. For people playing Burn, don't take out your Price of Progress against them. Because that's a deck that only plays nine basics out of, like, 22 lands. Yeah, they play, um... It's also another Mana Denial deck. They um, play Rishadon Ports, they play Wastelands, they play Plains. Which, Rishadon Port... Much oh, and Caracas. Rishadon Port... I don't if think you... they play Cavern that much anymore. Oh, okay. I mean, they may play, like, one or two, but... Sometimes. That Anyways, almost made its way into my Rishadon Port is a land that taps for Colorless. Mm-hmm. And why, why would they play this thing? Because for one and tapping it, you get to tap one of your opponent's lands. So the big reason the Death and Taxes plays Rishadon Port and gets to play that Mana Denial role is first off, Rishadon Port can tap basic lands, which is really strong. You can knock your opponent off colors if you've wastelanded a couple of their lands. But <coughs> Death and Taxes also plays Aether Vial and generally just uses Aether Vial to cast their creatures. So they usually no, have their no, mana no, no. They don't cast their to creatures. put them onto the battlefield. <laughs> they basically use Aether Vial to play their creatures. There you go. And then they use their mana for Rishadon Ports, Krakus Bouncing Things, and just play a Super Denial roll. On top of that, they get to play a card called Mother of Runes, which gives target creature they control? Uh, I think it's target, target creature. creature. Anyhow, it gives stuff protection from Kellers and just makes the deck really hard to deal with. Unless, you know, you have Terminus. Ah. I mean, even then, casting Terminus through Thalia's is pretty obnoxious sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we are missing another... Well, two other monocolor decks. Uh, we're missing Merfolk. Elves is bad. We don't talk about green decks. <laughs> I didn't say elves. We're oh, missing well, Merfolk. Yeah. I which mean, elves would be the other one. Yeah. Well, what are we doing about Merfolk here? Alright, so Merfolk is a deck that people like to call fish. Another Aether Vile deck, mind you. Uh, Goblins doesn't exist anymore, don't you give me that. No, I said it was another Aether Vile deck. Oh, Merfolk I thought you were saying Aether we were Vi- missing another no, Aether Vile deck. No, 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 I didn't say that. Gotcha, gotcha. Alright, so uh, Merfolk's another Aether Vile deck. It, like Ginger said, I thought he was saying we were missing another Aether Vile deck. Anywho. It's a mono blue deck. It generally plays a bunch of islands. It likes to play... It basically just plays a bunch of 2-2s that give their other merfolk plus 1 plus 1. And usually they get Island Walk and other such shenanigans. Pretty much the only spells that they play are like Force of Will, occasionally Stifle in Days. I haven't looked at a merfolk deck they, in a long they time. They also play like Ponders and stuff. Some draw spells. Um, Not many though. Um, they I don't think they play Days that often either because they usually just get to play Curse Catcher. That's fair. Uh, but it, it, they have to be playing forces. Yeah, force is like the only thing that they usually play for like non-spells for sure. Um, well, since you know Tyson doesn't want to talk about elves, I'll talk about elves. Well, you are the guy that will. plays it. This is the the first combo deck we're actually talking about. Um, although it's a bunch of one mana one ones that don't do much really. Like it, it's not that much of a combo deck. True story. True story. And it's a bad deck. 
That's so, the warp wipes? The parts that make it combos are Heritage Druids, which is a one mana one one that you tap three elves and you make three green mana. I'm stepping away for elves because whenever Shaman of the Pack was in standard, I had so much, but I didn't want to see it in any format. So if you'll excuse me. But I get to kill you Dude, with you gotta it. gotta go vomit real quick. <laughs> um, so it's a one mana one one that you can tap three elves to produce three green mana, which like you have to be drawing creatures to be able to do this, right? Yeah. Um, so how how's this deck keep fueled? It sounds awful. So like turn one, turn two, you're generally just setting up playing like three or four creatures. Like a heritage druid and then a nettle sentinel or something. Yeah, nettle sentinel is really good to play. Uh, nettle sentinel is a one mana two two that whenever you cast a green spell, you untap it. Correct. So you can just keep untapping it every time you cast a green spell. Uh, you get to play Gaia's Cradle, which taps for green equal to the number of creatures you control. Blech. That's Which, a lot of mana. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of mana. Um, but how are we keeping these cards coming? Keeping Fueled is very simple, actually. You play gl uh, Glimpse of Nature. Well, what's Glimpse of Nature do? Whenever you cast a creature spell, you draw a card. How oh, much mana is this? This sounds really good. One green. Really? Yep. Also, on top of that, you get to play like Wirewood Symbiote, so you can bounce your... Elvis Visionaries to draw two cards when you cast them. Mm -hmm. And then you end, well, part of playing the Wirewood Symbiote is you return an elf you control to your hand, untap target creature, which means you can untap like a Heritage Druid to make some more mana and play your Elvis Visionary all right, again. All right, all right. And you just keep going until you draw a bunch well, of cards. How many times can I do that in a turn? Once. So I can only activate that ability once a turn? Yeah, for your Wirewood Symbiotes and your, uh, what is, what's Korean Rangers? So I wish you guys would ask me questions like this, because I just, like, completely did not list any of the merfolk and what they do. Like, I don't know Curse much about did, or Silvergill Adept, now that I think about it. All I know is that, like, it has, what, a lot of the lords in it or yeah, something? Yeah, it just plays a bunch of lords. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like, so let's finish up, um, and then I'll talk about some of the more merfolky cards, because I blanked on them. Since we're drawing a bunch of cards in this, you might just, you know, keep drawing lands and stuff. Mm -hmm, so there's mm -hmm. um, some Green Sun Zeniths, if you're, you know, falling behind, so you can Green Sun for any particular elf, elf you need. Um, something interesting, well, it, it tutors for a green creature and uh -huh, puts it into uh -huh. the battlefield, and then you shuffle green sun back into the, its owner's deck. Um, something that recently happened with the deck is it is now playing one shaman of the pack. Don't <laughs> kill me! Oh, because, boy. you know, killing people through combat sometimes can be tricky. Because, you know, just so be it, because, you know, they're, they have like a, um, what is the thing called? Bridge. Ensnaring bridge. That thing's the word I'm looking That's for. Shit. Well, what if I want to kill people through combat, Ginger? What do I do then? Uh, you know, you play this card called Natural Order, which it's a four of. It's two uh, it's two generic mana in green green for a sorcery, mm -hmm, where you mm -hmm. sacrifice a creature. And then you search your deck for a creature card and put it on the battlefield. Any creature card? Any creature card. A green creature, you mean? Mmm... I think natural order is any creature. I'm pretty sure natural order is green creature. Anyways, it plays all green creatures, so I don't really know about that part. <laughs> um, but, you know, four mana, do you get, you know, a shaman of the pack's not good, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's I'd pay generally not for killing a three somebody. drop, that sounds awful. But you actually go get a crater hoof behemoth. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> okay, see, that makes more sense. Since yeah. you're playing, like, you know. Ten dudes. I, he he yeah, just said shaman of the pack to try and get to me. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I did. I might play two of them just to kill you with it. 
more consistently. I hate how that's just a loss of life and not damage. See, I would love to be able to deflecting palm some smart at. I want to make deflecting palm something in every format. It has just the way it's worded. It has so much potential. It's not targeting. It says if a source deals damage, so it's not like incredibly specific. So it's just like, hey, this thing's doing damage to me. I'm gonna deflect it. So. Deflecting Palm was actually great during Standard, because you could Deflecting Palm Storm Breath Dragon hits. Uh-huh. It was a fun time. So anyways, Crater of Behemoth is an 8-mana 5-5 five five with haste, which mm -hmm. is poor, right? It's just terrible. I mean, it seems pretty bad. Um, Does but, it trample at least? Nope. Ugh, awful. Hideous. <laughs> Take it to the curb. So whenever Crater Hoof enters the battlefield, uh -huh. all of your creatures get plus one, plus one. Plus for, one, plus one. For each creature Doesn't on that the battle. Say plus X plus X? Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Plus, plus X plus X where X, X is, is the number of creatures, creatures you control. Yes. So say I'm playing, I play like, turn one, turn two, I set up by playing like three or four creatures. Uh-huh. Turn uh -huh. three is generally whenever you actually go off with like a glimpse of nature or something. All right. So then you have like five or six creatures in play. And then the next turn you're just like, okay, I just tap four mana and sack one of these dudes and get a crater hoof. But do the creatures trample now? Because that seems yeah. like it'd just be easy to jump. They all get trampled at that point. Oh, so Crater Hoof's ability gives them trample. Yeah, Crater Hoof's a good card. Seems better. Yeah. Don't we have a card like that in standard Decimator Provinces? Yeah. That we should have talked yep. about. Which, we'll be talking about that next week, because with the holiday weekend, we kind of forgot that somebody had asked us to brew something with that. Yeah, um, yeah, we did. yeah we'll, we'll go over that whenever we get to the emails there at the end. Because we actually got another one, so we get to read it out. Ooh. So, hooray. Well, the, the one we're talking about, not another one from oh, that. Oh, I thought we meant another one after that. No, I mean like another one is in not just Travis sending us emails. And okay. Asking us to send him pictures of various types. I didn't read those to you guys, because I don't want you to really have to go through the... <laughs> So Tyson was correct. Ooh. As an additional cost to cast natural or sacrifice a green creature. Uh -huh. and Search your library for a green creature and put it on the battlefield and shuffle your library. You know what though? Ginger just said my favorite words and they're Tyson was correct. I said right. <laughs> Either it wasn't or. correct. Tyson, Tyson was wrong about being right. Yeah. <laughs> Except I'm pretty sure he did say correct. We'll find out when we listen to this later. We, we don't listen to this. I, do. I barely listen to it. I listened to that it. That was all of the monocolor decks. Well, well we're going to double back it, to Merfolk real quick. Oh, yeah, we can go back to Merfolk. Right. <laughs> so, like, I mentioned Curse Catcher and I didn't name, you know, some of the uh, more relevant pieces of Merfolk. So, all lords. Curse Catchers, no, no, not all lords. Curse Catcher is a one blue Merfolk. Uh, I believe it's a Merfolk wizard. And it's a 1-1. One -one. Seems good. It's a 1-1 one -one for 1. Awesome. Also gets pumped by all these other things. Curse Catcher also has an ability where you can sacrifice it to counter target instant or sorcery unless its controller pays 1. Mm. So Curse Catcher is good on that front. Beyond that, we have Silvergill Adept, which is a 2-drop, which works in this vile deck because pretty much everything that you care about in this deck is at 2 mana. Mm. That's where you get almost all of your Merfolk Lords. So at 2 mana, you can put out Silvergill Adept, and that says draw a card. It actually says whenever you cast it, reveal a merfolk from your hand. And if you don't, you sacrifice it, I think. No, I don't. Or whenever it enters the battlefield, you draw a card if you reveal a merfolk. Yeah, it's whenever it enters that you draw a card if you reveal a merfolk. I don't remember all of its wording, but it's like a 1-3 for 2 that lets you draw a card. So you get to keep the merfolk train going. Beyond that, they have Lord of Atlantis, which is a 2-mana two 2-2 two -two that gives other merfolk you plus. control, plus 1, plus 1, and Island Walk. You have Merfolk of the Pearl Trident, which is another 2-2 for blue-blue, just like Lord of Atlantis, that gives other Merfolk you control 
plus one, plus one, and Nylon Walk. So it is the strictly better version of that, so to speak. Beyond that, you have Marrow Regery, which is two and a blue for a two-two. Whenever you cast a Merfolk spell, you may tap or untap target permanent. Other Merfolk creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Yeah. So, like, you display all these lords and all these fish, and then they go swim, 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 swim over and punch them because they have island walk. Yes. But you're playing more than just fish because, you know, there's there's a four drop for, what is it, a 2-1 or 3-1, 2-1 that has protection from red. He's still a fish, and they're not getting played that often. I don't no, think. no, he's not. He's a fish, but what he makes is not fish. So Ginger's talking about Master of Waves, which is three and a blue, which I haven't actually seen much of in, like, they, any they list here recently. They generally like, one or two. <laughs> My EDH deck, that's one thing. But he's but, really good in EDH. He creates a one-zero elemental creature token for each for your devotion to blue. Your devotion to blue is the number of blue mana symbols on your, the permanents that you control. He himself gives elemental creatures you control plus one, plus one until end of turn. So, another thing for Merfolk while I'm thinking about it, the deck also plays Mutavolt because then it gets all the Lord effects as well. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a Merfolk and a Giant and a Dwarf and a Worm and an Elemental and a Wizard and, yes, Ginger? He's an Elf. <laughs> an elf and I can keep going on and on, but you get He's the point. all creature types, yes. Yes, the card is all creature types, including ones that get printed that were not printed at that time. So if a new creature yes. type comes around, he's that as well. Mm -hmm. Which means he's also Tim's favorite thing. And Eldrazi. Oh, Jesus. Technically speaking, yes. <laughs> Anyhow, so the, like everything in that deck is just synergistic in value. Um, so They're pretty susceptible to board wipes, because you know if you wipe the board, you just kill them all. But and they don't really recover super well. Generally speaking, if they do get out of hand, um, mm -hmm. most of the decks in the format can't actually handle it. Mm -hmm. Because most of them are blue-based decks, so they have Island Walk. So yep, like, yep. they just go straight through that. And like unless you're playing something other than Bolt, you can't really kill anything because they generally have four or more toughness. Yeah, like as soon as the second Lord comes down, your 2-2s two are 3-3s, three and your 1-1s one are 3-3. Three three. As soon as the third one comes down, they're just out of bolt range. Yeah, so you have to like combo a prop DK with a bolt or something some, along those some lines. Some random thing that oddly will never happen. All right, so we went over all the monocolor decks that are relevant that I can think of, and some that aren't terribly relevant. <coughs> elves. <laughs> just kidding. Elves is actually a fine deck in the format. Yeah, it is. Um, so we went over death and taxes. We went over fish. We went over elves. We went over burn. Uh, there's not really a good mono black deck. There's like an eight rack deck. Yeah, but which isn't that good. It, yeah, it's just, like, just it exists. It attacks your hand and punishes you for having no cards in hand. Yeah, it basically wants to get you empty handed and kills you with cards like Grim Affliction and stuff that deal damage to you based on the lack of cards in your hand. Um, we went over miracles briefly. What else did we get? Who are we missing? Well, yeah, but I want to save this one for later. This is a complicated deck, and I can talk about this um, one forever. Yeah, but let's not talk about it forever. So we did we did tempo control. Um, yeah, we talked about all as many Delver variants as I care yes. to admit that I can remember. Uh, um, well, we have uh, the Stoneblade since we were talking about Stoneforge Mystic. And we Shining. are missing Stoneblade. Um, so Stoneblade, 
No, Ginger, you talk about Stoneblade. You brought it up. I don't know that much about Stoneblade. All I know is they play Stoneforge Mystic and True Name Nemesis with Jitte and Batterskull. There you go. That's He's Stoneblade. Stoneblade deal. <laughs> Actually, the funny part was I was looking in that deck to play it. I could have said the same thing, but I was hoping somebody else would so we could make that joke. Um, <laughs> like, that's Stoneblade. That is, yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. So Stoneblade has a little more to it than that. It's actually a blue-white pseudo-control deck. Plays Swords to Plowshares, Counterspells, Brainstorms, I mean, But Ponder. you can play yeah. more than blue-white. You can play Jeskai or Esper. Yeah, but blue-white's generally where they go. They like to play Jace the Mind Sculptor and just, like, gate their Stoneforge Domestic and then bash with Batterskull. Um, True Name Nemesis gave them a bit of a power spike until everybody realized how to deal with that by playing, like, Cyborg Golgari Charms and Toxic Deluges and stuff nope, like that. No, nope, you get those away from me. I know, they murder you too. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> so, like, decks will sideboard these cards, and that helps to deal with, you know, decks like that. Um, beyond that, more recently, with the printing of Thought Knots here, Stoneblade, Stoneblade is starting to see a small resurgence, because you can play, like, Academy Ruins and stuff like that, and try to just, like, Thought Knots here your opponent to make really, really obnoxious plays. Because Thought Seer is really, really hard to kill. It's a 4-4 for 4 that steals a card from them and then gives them a card whenever it leaves. Gets around Abrupt Decay and Lightning Bolt. <laughs> Correct. Dodges both of those. Gains you 4 life if they swords it while taking their removal. While you also get to see the card that they drew because the Leaves of Battlefield trigger happens. And then you get to look at their hand and see out of their new hand what the card you want to deal with the least is. So, like... You. Thought Not Seer is actually starting to help this deck see a resurgence, so to speak. Sounds like fun, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, Blue-White's your most common Stoneblade. I'm sure you have versions that have Red Seal. I, uh, every now and then they go black for Lingering Souls and Liliana the Veil, just because they're, like, generically good cards and yeah. they synergize well. Yeah, I was looking into Esper Stoneblade myself. Uh, we're also kind of missing the green version of this deck. What one? Maverick. Well, that's not a Stoneforge deck, per se. It's a Stoneforge deck. Um, um, so I don't think we're going to have time to talk in detail about all the archetypes, so no. we'll just touch on a few. We'll talk about Maverick for a bit. I've got a Legacy deck here in front of me that I rather enjoy playing <clears throat> that I want to talk about for a bit. Timmy's got his deck from previous uh, Legacy events that we've had here at the store. <laughs> previous well. Legacy I event, have one singular. That I, I no, like, I'm, I might as well share the story Well, whenever it gets around to that anyway. Yeah. So, like, I want to hit on Jund real quick, because Jund is just a popular color. It's really good in Modern. Guess what? That carries over to Legacy. Um, Lands is a deck. Lands is a very... Interesting deck. Yeah, I want to say that they've probably gone more towards, like, the combo Thespian Sage Strike Depths Kill You deck uh, these days. Yeah. They used to be, like, a kind of grindy control deck, mm -hmm. where their game plan was take 48 minutes to kill you in game one, Draw game two. <laughs> it, like, it I'm not killing. It does happen if not killing. Not the you. Uh, lands player isn't proficient with the deck. Even if you were proficient with the deck, that's what you wanted to do. Um, I mean, Oops. <laughs> it, it, that deck takes a lot of getting used to um, because, you know, it's just a lot of grinding through stuff. So I want to use lands to bridge into, like, these three decks real quick. So Lance plays the Punishing Fire, um, Grove of the Wormblows combo. This combo has since been banned in Modern because it takes too long and makes games just take way too long to kill people. 
Because what happens is Punishing Fire is one or red, deals two to target creature or player. Pay, uh, whenever your opponent gains a life, you can pay red to put Punishing Fire back in your hand. So you use Grove of the Burnwells to make a red mana to give your opponent life to get the Punishing Fire back to your hand. So you just start chipping them away one life at a time, and eventually they die to this, like, death by a thousand needles. So Lance plays this combo alongside the Thespian Sage Dark Depths combo. They're more likely to go on the uh, Thespian Sage Dark Depths, Dark Depths combo to kill you, because that just makes a 20-20 and kills you with it. Um, how that works is they use the Thespian Sage to copy the Dark Depths, since Thespian Stage as Dark Depths is not entering the battlefield, it doesn't have any counters. So you get rid of the copy that has 10 counters from the Legend Roll, and then the now Thespian Sage Dark Depths sees that it is a Dark Depths with zero counters, and then sacrifices itself to make a 20-20. With flying, that's at indestructible. Speed. Yeah, at instant speed. So it's just like, end your turn. Two mana, tap Thespian Sage, copy Dark Depths. I have a 20-20 flying indestructible now. Can oh you deal with this? Okay, I'm going to cast this Life from the Loam, get back my Thespian Stage and my Dark Depths, replay both of them again with, like, a Wasteland or something. Yep. And you just keep doing this until your opponent eventually runs out of ways to deal with it. Yeah, if they just run out of swords, you're like, Um, oh, That's the more likely way that you're going to die to lands. So, Punishing Fire leads us into Punishing Maverick and Punishing Jund. Mm -hmm. Maverick is a green-white Hate Bears-style deck where Jund is, like... Just a black, green, red, good value deck. So I said Maverick's a green-white hate bear style deck. They're splashing in the Groves of the Burnwells and using Knight of the Reliquary to find their Grove of the Burnwells so that they can just start using the Punishing Fire plan. While also having a huge knight. Yeah. Admittedly, this deck is a little dated. Uh, Punishing Jun's probably more relevant these days still. Mm. But we also have, speaking of black, green decks, which just like good value stuff, we also have Shardless Bug. Shardless Bug is another one of the top decks of the formats that plays Shardless Agent, and it just cascades into super valuable cards. Mm-hmm. It cascades into Him to Torox, into Tarmogoyves, into Ancestral Visions making you draw three cards. It can hit your Brainstorm, which is probably like... When Brainstorm is one of the most lackluster things to hit, you know the deck has a lot of shit. Yeah. I mean, you could get some weird scenarios where you cascade into like an abrupt decay and they have nothing in play to hit right then you just shuffle back your abrupt decay yeah carry on about your business sir (laughs) um the deck likes to play like a sylvan library to help filter its draws and stuff like that so it can help sort of set up its cascades whenever it has a shardless agent um they also play death right for obvious reasons they play liliana the veil jace the mind sculptor sometimes they play an umazawa's jit that one is more of a preference call you don't see it too often more often than not it's in the sideboard um, Shardless Bug is just like a super good value deck. Um, what else do we have? We've got Eldrazi, which, you know, is Eldrazi. Yeah. We, they, we already, they get to play the stuff that was banned from modern Eldrazi. Pretty much. We have already discussed at length the Eldrazi and Legacy deck, though. So Correct. We don't really have to get into that. Um, what other decks are we missing? What have we hit? Now we've hit Shardless Bug. We mentioned Maverick briefly. We mentioned Punishing Jund. Um, just punishing decks, period, as a general. Uh, we went into a bit of depth, of, into a bit of detail about lands, not a ton. What's the huge thing in our meta? The huge thing in our meta? Mm-hmm. You mean Infect? No. I mean, th- there's that deck. <laughs> That's not the one I was thinking of. Although, Infect is also a very real deck. It's actually scarier in Legacy 
that it isn't modern because in modern it actually has to pay for its pump spells and legacy it's just like invigorate for free because i have a forest you gain three life this gets plus four plus four until end of turn okay uh berserk this 10 to you cool story hey. brah but then you have to sacrifice your creature at the end of the turn yeah but they're dead so what do you care um, anyhow, I still hate Infect. I think I think that should be like dealt with like the anti-rule in Vintage. Anything in Infect and Legacy needs to go. No. Yes. Anyways, um, so the deck Ginger's talking about is Nick Fit. Ginger, I'll let you talk about Nick Fit for a bit. Oh God. Come on, you you keep bringing up these decks. You have to know something about them if you're going to mention so, them. So Nick Fit is a ramp deck. That's ramp yeah, deck. Quotes on the ramp. Um. It plays Veteran Explorer, which is a one green for a 1-1, one, one, uh, that whenever Veteran Explorer dies, you get to search your library for... Well, both players, or all players... Each to, player. Well, yes, each player gets to search the library for up to two basics and puts them onto the battlefield. Untapped, mind you. Yes. Um, that's paired with Cabal Therapy, which on turn one, you Cabal Therapy to look at their hand, maybe take something, maybe not. Man, then, it depends on what you name. Yeah, it depends. So how Cabal Therapy works is you cast it, you choose a player to target, and then once it resolves, you name a card. So, like, you generally name, like, if you're playing against blue, like, either Brainstorm or Force of Will. Um, uh, ju just because... We could have an entire podcast yes, on how to properly play Cabal Therapy, but you get the idea of the card. Yeah, Actually, you, that should be a good... That would be a good idea at some point, because uh, I'm curious as well, so... Um, uh, there's a lot to it. Yeah. So you, so you name well, a card. I mean, card. if we devote a podcast to it like we did with some cards, and that'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, we can. Yeah. Uh, okay. Continue. But anyways, you <laughs> na name a card, they reveal their hand, so maybe you hit something, maybe you don't. If you don't, it's not a big deal. The next turn, you play a veter Veteran Explorer, and then the flashback on Cabal Therapy is sacrifice a creature, and then you cast it again. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. then, now that you already got to see their hand, you're almost guaranteed to hit off this one. And then on top of it, each player gets two basics on the battlefield untapped. Which, I mean, you're kind of ramping with that card, and since most decks don't play basics, you're generally one-sided on that effect. Um, and then, you know, they just kind of keep doing that. It's, and then in the mid-game, it's kind of a control deck where, you know, you play perni Pernicious D, which is a three-man enchantment. Oh, you were about to say Vermicious Canid. Canid? Yeah. Anyways, it's a three-man enchantment. X, sacrifice, pernicious deed, destroy each enchantment, creature, artifact. I forget what the last thing is. But Pretty sure that's it. Is it just those three? Because I know it doesn't hit planeswalkers or right. lands. So the card is super dated. Uh, it doesn't not hit lands. If they're a creature, yes, I guess it would hit them. Uh, also, if it's an artifact land... Okay, I'm sorry, Mr. Tyson. <laughs> what? It's true. So, Pernicious Deeds, one black-green. X, sacrifice, and destroy each artifact, creature, and enchantment with CMC less than or equal to X. Yeah. So, it's a nice board wipe for the deck. You know, that's <laughs> ramping, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Um, so, what are we doing with all the mana that we ramp? Well, it depends. Because Nickfit has decided that it wants to... Like, Nickfit breaks off into so many different things. Like, the Nickfit archetype as a whole is basically four Veteran Explorer, four Cabal Therapy, mash them together, see what the deck does. Play EDH in Legacy. So, in True. our local alone, we have 
bug nick fit, junk you, nick fit used to be a thing, which for people unfamiliar with the terminology, junk is what used to Abzan. be Abzan. Well, is now Abzan. Yeah. Basically, I, I anything feel black, like, green, X. There's I, I four still color. feel like Abzan's junk. Yeah. There's yeah. four color nick fit. There's colorless nick fit. There's... This one's kind of taken on its own entity. Um, it was called Scape Wish there for a while, but it was mm-hmm. John Nick Fit. Basically, it would get a bunch of lands out on the field, and then it would either Burning Wish for Scape Shift, or just cast Scape Shift and kill your opponent with Valakut. Or akin, just play a prime time. Yeah, akin to what um, modern Scape Shift does. So it was just like, instead of being a Rug deck, it was a Jun deck doing it, though. Because yeah. I had the Veteran Explorers and the Cabal Therapy. So that is your shell to building a Nickfit deck. Mm-hmm. Four Veteran Explorer, four Cabal Therapy, some number of Phyrexian Tower, big dumb 10 mana stuff. All right, not quite 10, but six. you basically get to play anything. You, you want a five and a six, and then yeah. maybe a seven. But basically, you get to start playing a bunch of super value cards, like Thrag Test and stuff like that, while your opponent's playing like two drops. And it's like, how do you deal with this? Yeah, a Delver looking across a Consecrated Sphinx isn't very happy. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason that the deck get, like wants to play and does play such big creatures is because then it makes the pernicious deeds one-sided as well. Yeah. The you know, I do it for four. I've still got a Thrag Tusk and you don't have anything anymore. Yeah. Um, what one of our locals has started doing more recently is he has slotted Sneak Attack into Escape, into a Nick Fit. Mm-hmm. And the name for it is yet to be determined. But it's been doing fairly well at the legacy events he's gone to. He top forward one here recently. Um, was like a forty or fifty some person event. I mean, it's just hard to deal with. Like a turn, what it would be turn three. The deck can turn two and activate sneak attack you while can main on turn two. Yeah, so it goes turn one, veteran explorer. Turn two, Phyrexian Tower, sack the Veteran Explorer for black, black. Get Mountain, Mountain. So now it's got um, two black floating, two mountains on the field, and a forest or a bayou or whatever it had. Yeah, but you had Uses that and taps one of the mountains to cast the sneak attack and then uses the other red to activate. But you're not casting your Cabal Therapy. You don't need to. That's the beauty of the Phyrexian Tower. Oh, yeah, never mind. Never mind. I derped it. You're right. Shut up. So that's how it gets to do a turn two sneak attack with activate. Plus, it's also got four mana then. So even if it doesn't go through, the deck can just like cast a Thrag Tusk or some big dumb creature next turn. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty one-sided. Uh, yeah. If you if you can get to do what you want to do, it's pretty one-sided. Um, it was built to prey on what, Delver decks? Yeah, it was built to prey on Delver decks back in the day. Um, so that was... What, uh, basically all the decks then? Um, as far as I'm aware, I mean, we might as well talk about yours since yours is an actual deck. Yeah, I mean, we're and missing we'll a couple, I'm sure, still. Like, there's technically Oops All Spells and Belcher that you have to worry about. There's Stompy decks. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Whatever decks we missed that you want us to talk about, there's always Memory Lapse Podcast at gmail.com. So, on that <laughs> note, I have a deck I want to talk about because it's probably my favorite deck of the format. Um, Ginger has one, and Tim has one as well. Mine's yeah. technically not a deck of the format, neither is Tim's. But no. Theirs are brews, mine's actually an established deck. So, my deck is 
the casters generally don't like to differentiate between these lists, but there's two branches of Storm. There's ANT and there's TES. Personally, I prefer TES. I think it's a better deck. It's a stronger deck. It's a faster deck. Um, it doesn't do the late game as well, but who needs a late game when you kill your opponent on turn two? That's fair. Um, the deck can also consistently do it. It's a very hard deck to play. You have to know a lot about the format, a lot about your deck, and have a lot of reps to actually accomplish this properly. You need to be able to do math. Yes, you also have to be very, very good at math and know statistics very well. <clears throat> so I'm just going to run over the list real quick because I have it here in front of me, and I'm going to explain to you guys how the deck wins. The deck plays three Chrome Mocks, four Lion's Eye Diamond, four Lotus Petal, one Ad Nauseum, four Brainstorm, four Dark Ritual, four Burning Wish, four Cabal Therapy, two Dress, one Empty the Warrens, four Gataxium Probe, four Infernal Tutor, four Ponder, four Rite of Flame, one Badlands, four Bloodstained Mire, four Polluted Delta, two Underground Sea, two Volcanic Island in the main deck. So the easiest way to identify TES from ANT is TES plays the Rite of Flames, and it does not play any basic lands. Um, if you're trying to figure out if you're playing against TES or ANT, TES is the more explosive deck. It's more likely to kill you faster. Uh, ANT takes a little more setup, and they ha they generally play an island or two and a swamp or two. Um, TES does not play any basics whatsoever. So the deck's very, I'm committed to this, I'm doing this, and I'm going to do this. Um, in its sideboard, it plays three Abrupt Decays, two Chain of Vapor, one Hercules Recall, one Dark Petition, two Empty the Warrens, two Grape Shot, one Massacre, one Past in Flames, one Tendrils of Agony, one Bayou. So for anybody that missed the Wing Con in the list, it's because it's not in the main deck, it's in the sideboard. Technically, there's the Empty the Warrens, but it is not what you really want to do. What this deck wants to do is, you notice that it's playing all these cheap spells. Zeros, ones, twos, and one four mana spell. Nothing else in the deck is more than two, and the number of cards, and a five mana spell as well, because I almost forgot the Ad Nauseum. Um, the number of two mana spells it plays is four and eight. Plays eight two mana spells, one four mana spell, one five mana spell. Everything else in that deck is zero and less. So what the deck generally tries to do... one and less? Yeah, it's one and less, not zero and less. It's ones and zeros. <laughs> it's a binary deck. <laughs> right? Um, that was a this, this, this was terrible. I've been testing way too many video game consoles over the past week, so I'm I'm very much in the wrong state of mind to be talking about magic. That and I have really bad hay fever right now, hence why I'm pretty quiet this episode. Um, basically, the deck plays a bunch Allergies. of spells. It's not catchy. Don't worry. Jesus <laughs> plays a bunch of spells. Tries to interact with its opponent by using the cabal therapies, the dresses, the gataxium probes to see what kind of counter spells it has to worry about dealing with and trying to fight through and then it counts to nine and cast tendrils to deal 20 damage to you tendrils of agony is two black black storm so what the storm mechanic does is it looks for how many spells were cast previously this turn and then by puts, you and your opponent correct mm -hmm. by both players and then puts a copy of itself onto the stack for each spell previously cast um of note for people playing against the deck Storm is a triggered ability, so you can counter the trigger. <laughs> yeah, I did that against you once. By <laughs> stifling it, or something of that along oh, those that's lines. Oh, really good. Kill uh, you? Stifle? No. Storm players that know what they're doing um, 
I wouldn't even say I know what I'm doing particularly well, but I feel like I've got a an above average grasp of the deck. Um, I generally know when I can kill you through a single force of will. If you have the second force of will, that's where the big backbreaker comes in. Um, the deck ha the deck can't reliably go off quickly against a lot of disruption. Um, there was a story that I told a couple people. I was playing Storm in an event, and I started off like 4-0 or 5-0 or something. And I was playing against a Miracles player, and I'm like, sweet, Miracles, I know this matchup. I can tactically probe my opponent, see that he's got one Force Will, and he's got a Brainstorm in hand. I'm like, sweet, he has exactly two blue cards. So when he Brainstorms, he's probably going to be like, Force of Will, pitch this, and I'm just going to kill him through that. So I start going through my storage chain, I play my bait spell that I want him to Force of Will, and he goes, Brainstorm, draws three cards, puts two cards back. Cast his first Force of Will. Then he goes to untap. I'm like, I'm not done. Add one to my storm count. Cast a couple more spells. And then cast the spell that I'm going to use to grab the card I need to kill him. And he's like sitting there shaking. And goes, force of will. Pitches another blue card. Which means that his draw off of Brainstorm was exactly force of will, blue card, blue card. Mm-hmm. So he got to double force me. And the reason he like went to grab his deck and untap is because he didn't realize that the deck could kill through a single force of will. Uh, you know... It, I can't bring to words the frustration. I've played Tyson's Storm decks several times. Several times. Because the thing is, I rep against Tyson a lot, depending on what formats, because I need to learn how to play better in a lot of different ways. Tyson actually... Like, Control is the archetype that I play. I'm sure you figured that out by now because, you know, the counterspell dinger that we've never Ding. put in. But Control is my play style, and Tyson's the one who's actually taught me that. So I'm constantly repping against Tyson in several formats to just kind of learn how to play these things. And there was one game, one game that I played against Tyson when he was playing Storm, and I was probably playing Miracles. I don't remember what the fuck. You were playing about. Miracles, and I misdid my math because I paid an extra black mana for something and didn't crack for the right mana on my pedal. <laughs> well, you remember that detail. I don't remember that, but what I do remember is you were going off, and I just waited and just let you do everything you were going to do, and then you were like, you know kill you? And I'm like, uh-uh. Nah, bruh. This is where this ends. Then he manages to get his shit back together to do it again. It's like, god damn it, are you fucking serious? In the same turn. <laughs> was it the same turn? Yes. Jesus Christ. That's why I was like, I missed did my math. Because I did my math baking on you doing that, and then realized I did not have the extra black mana I needed, so I had to probe to get another mana source so that I could cast my Pastum Flames and actually go off again. God damn. I was so fucking angry. It's like, <laughs> motherfucker, I stopped you from going off, and you go off anyway. That's fucking bullshit. Now, something interesting, though, is if you're playing um, Misdirections... It, it's better than a force in instances where they're trying to kill you with the tendrils. Yeah. Because you misdirect one copy of tendrils to them, yeah. and then you gain two life. So you take away basically two storm from them instead of just one. So here's the real fun fact about that as the person playing against the storm deck. Um, generally, they'll cast an ad nauseum before they try to kill you. Let them resolve that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if you're on misdirection and not forceful. If you're on forceful, you stop that shit all day. <laughs> He's not this wrong. Is, this is as a guy that plays Miracles regularly, that plays Control decks regularly, that plays Storm. Um, I either play the most interactive deck I can play, or I play the most linear, I'm going to play Solitary, you're going to watch me play Magic decks I can. There is no middle ground with me. Um... Get that mind break crap out of here. <laughs> Anyhow, um, the big thing about playing in CS and something you can do with misdirection after Jinji brought it up is if I add nauseum down to two life and then I cast my tendrils, because two life is where my spells can really kill me. Um, like I said, I play eight two drops. I play a handful of ones, a handful of zeros. So storm players are often fairly greedy and they'll go below three life. So they'll go to two. Tendrils does two. You, you opt to choose the last tendrils on the stack, which is the first one that will resolve, and you misdirection that one back to the storm player so that they die and all the other ones never even resolve because he's just dead. That is the power of misdirection in the matchup, honestly. Hmm. Misdirection is better than force will in that matchup. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I would not take either of them out, but... Yeah, I mean, if you have both, you play you just both. play both. Um, anyways, now that we're done with Storm... Huh, I still have two slots left in my sideboard. I'm going to talk about Misdirection in there. Kimmy's deck. Huh? Okay. Um, this deck, actually the funny story, and I'm going to try to be quick about this because we're kind of going long. But, uh, I know we've gone longer, but we're trying to... We're so trying to get said, to a set time. We're trying to compress these a little bit. But, uh, I actually built this deck for Modern initially, which is why there's some Modern cards in here. Don't judge me. But I literally built this deck when an event started... I took a round one loss, built it during round one, and then came in during round two. So I got two three for the day, but I technically got two two. But that's only because this really didn't get play tested too much. But it was uh, it's essentially a, a blue white spirits deck, which has four swords, one path to exile, which is why I mentioned that because it was just you know couldn't think of anything else to put in there. Four spell quellers, three mausoleum wanderers, four rattle chains. Seven Islands, Six Plains, Four Flooded Strands, Four Tundras, Two Hallowed Fountains, whatever, Two Geist of St. Traffs, two, or Four Force of Wills, Four Counter Spells, Four Drog School Captains, Three Hopeful Eidolons, and Four Brainstorms. Now, this list seems very modern heavy, yes, but that's because there's really no better spirits. Hopeful Eidolon is literally the best one-drop white spirit we have, which kind of sucks. <laughs> Well, I mean... I don't know that I'd be playing Hopeful Eidolon. I am not. This was the deck that I played then. Alright. So, so it's gotten upgraded? Yeah, it, it's basically getting upgraded. I haven't done it yet, but it's getting... I'm not really going to get too crazy into explaining it, but I'm taking out the Hopeful Eidolons and adding Ponders, Ether Vials. Uh, I was going to put in Cavern of Souls, but then I realized because of all the, uh, the countering and exiling I want to be doing, I don't want to run the risk of having... Too many caverns and not enough on color. Because this is a pretty fast deck. It kind of, it does its job in four or five turns. So if I'm clogged up by Cavern of Souls, that'll just slow me down. And I think that's all the changes I'm, I've made to it. Like, this deck is just, just the idea behind it is get out a Rattle Chains, get out a bunch of Spirits on the end of turn, and then swing out. And if your opponent's like, yeah, whatever, you're going to hit me for so much, flash in your Drog School Captain and kill them. Sounds interesting. It's pretty much how this deck works. You just spell, quell, counter, destroy, and then... Or not destroy, exile. And then drug school captain for the win. So, on the note of Path to Exile real quick, 
Um, there is an argument for playing four paths, one swords in this, over the four swords in a path. What's that? Um, you're an aggro deck, you want to not give your opponent the extra life. Right. A lot of decks don't play more than one or two basic lands. So, basically, their fir your first two paths pseudo-ramp them, mm -hmm. while not giving them life. So you're not, you're not reducing your own clock. Right. Um, you're ramping them, which is kind of scary, but a lot of decks don't play anything that costs more than three mana, realistically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of why... Abrupt Decay is so devastating in this format. And that's why Spellcaller is so good as well. Right. Yeah. Like, the biggest thing most people play is Jace the Mind Sculptor, and guess what catches that? Spellcaller Spell does, which is actually hilarious. Yeah. So, um, there's actually an argument for you to play four Path to Exile instead of four Swords to Plowshare. Right. Because you're not giving them the free life, which basically reduces one or two of your creatures from the clock. Um, there was a deck back in the day. I haven't seen it played in ages. Um, but it was called Zoo. Right. It was a red, white, green, super aggressive deck. Played Lightning Bolt, Chain Lightning, Lightning Helix, um, Curd Ape, Loam Lion, Tarmogoyf, Wild Nacatl. Sometimes they'd play... Um, Knight of the Reliquary, they play stuff like Kasali Pride Mage, things like that. So it's just a super aggressive deck that focused on like all these one and two drops with a handful of burn spells to get the reach to get there. Right. And because they were such an aggressive deck and they didn't want to lose, you know, a three damage swing from swords to plowshiring something, they would actually play four paths before they play any swords. That actually sounds like something I should try. That Because we were already talking about how most decks don't play many basic lands. Yeah, most decks play two, maybe three basics, realistically. Where, where my deck my deck is afraid of fucking everything, so I run like 13 basic lands, I think. And also, if you get stuck <laughs> on mana, you can, you can pack your own dude. Yeah, like right now, well, with, the, with the most current... Because the one I just listed off, it has like 21 lands, but the the newer one's going to have 13, because I'm just cutting out the Hollowed Fountains and then just adding other vials. So, so it's it, going from 21 lands to 13 lands? No, it's going from 23 to 21. Okay. Oh, that sounds a lot more narrow. It's going, yeah, because it's going to have other vials, so it's not a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, Miracles is one of the control decks of the format, and it plays like 23, maybe 24 lands. Yeah. Um, Death and Taxes is another Aether Vial deck similar to yours. And it wants to have the extra mana for Thrishanon ports, and it only plays like 21 to 23 lands. Usually yeah. 22. Yeah, it's just whenever I played this, I actually beat a Miracles player during one of the games. But <laughs> during another one, I fought like hell to stop this guy. It was like game three of our match. And like, I countered, I think I immediately countered a top. Then he went to play his, uh, his counterbalance, and I countered that. And he played something else, and I spell-colored that. Like, I was fighting like hell to stop him from getting countertop. And then what happened? Mana flooding. <laughs> like, I was ready to murder this guy. He terminus, and I just kept drawing land, so I couldn't get back get back from there, you know? Like, Speaking of terminus. Yeah. Good card. It's a real good card. It really is. Because, you know, you terminus a spell queller, and guess what? You get back whatever's under the spell queller. True story. Though, Hopeful Eidolon did help me a lot of that time. For the simple fact that Rattle Chains gives its bestow ability flash, and then whenever whatever it's bestowed upon is removed, it's still there. So it was it was it was a little pinger. It was a little pinger, but it wasn't. It was never game changing, which is kind of the issue, which is why it's very easy to remove. It's a cute technique, but it doesn't really give me anything. You ever think about playing like Mutabolts or something? Um, again, it's technically a spirit. Yeah, it's true. But the only problem is again we get into the color thing. No. Yeah, but I mean. What? Since 
any of the other Aether Violet decks play, like, at least eight non-colored lands. It's true. Yeah, but... I they don't play fetches, though, in the other ones. Yeah, yeah. I play fetches. And they're mono-colored. I'm two-colored. <laughs> I, I still think you can fit them in. Yeah, I mean, there's just, a possibility. We'll figure it out later. It, it takes testing. Like, I'm still trying to decide if I want to fit in maybe two Caverns of Souls. Because, you know, or maybe in, like, the board or something. Whenever it's like, this guy plays a lot of counter spells and those spirits need to come in. So, Cavern of Souls for my spirits. Bring that in. Take out a Plains and an Island. There you go. So, something right. like that. Let's get on Ginger's list before we keep rambling. Okay. Alright, since, you know, Tim over here is playing a modern deck in Legacy, I decided to as well. Well, I started playing this before he built that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which this card got banned in modern, and it's a four mana enchantment. Birthing Pod? <laughs> I said enchantment. Aww. Uh, and an it's an enchantment aura, actually. Oh, God. Uh, it's a Splinter Twin. Ah! So. I'm trying to find the exact version of the deck I want to play, uh, but generally speaking, it's like three Deceiver Exarchs, which is a 1-4 for three that has Flash. Uh -huh. That, whenever it enters the battlefield, tap something your opponent controls or untap something you control. Which Note, it's modal. Hmm? It's modal. You choose a mode, then you do the ability. Yeah. Um, so, like, end of turn three, you can Flash. Well, the other one is a... The same mana cost, so it's two and a blue, for a 2-1 with flash that has the same effects. No, it doesn't. Or is it tap? So Pester might hit anything. All right, so just your opponents. Or here you. is the fun interaction between the two of these. Oh God. Um, Pester might is a 2-1 flash flyer. Deceiver Exarch is a 1-4 with flash. Deceiver Exarch is modal. Pester might is not. So. If you're trying to, you know, get your twin combo off somehow, and your opponent goes, well, I want to redirect that ability to this, if, you if you're using Deceiver Exarch and you choose, I will untap a permanent eye control, your opponent cannot redirect that because you are not your opponent. Hmm. Um, if you go, Pester might untap this thing of mine, they can go redirect that. All right, something I now know. Well, anyways. That's why I say they're not the same. Um, so it's playing three Exorcs, two Pestermites, four Twins, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you were telling me about playing Nahiri's, which is another four drop, which is generally when I'm trying to kill them. Which, I mean... I mean, you were talking about wanting another different yes. way to win the game. Um, because most, well, around here, since we have so many Nifik players, they just play Slaughter Games and name Splinter Twin, and I'm sitting there with... A 1-4 that has flash, and a 2-1 that has flash. Not very impressive against what they have. Um, so it, I might be playing the four Nahiris in an Emrakul, uh, but I know that I will be playing four Counterbalances and four Sensei's Divining Tops. Um, something that you told me about earlier, whenever I was playing the deck, was um, I can tap the top to draw a card. With that ability still on the stack, I can Pestermite or Exarch, to mm -hmm. untap it, to tap it again to draw a card, and then I would draw two cards instead of just the one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you draw a card, and then you would effectively draw the top. Yes. So I already I cleared the top of my library again, and so on and so forth. Um, what else? I mean, that's it's basically just a combo deck that wants to play a control role until it can kill you. Pretty much. Um, the deck also has a bunch of cute interactions that I'm not going to go over all of them, because there's just a million of them. So, like, we could realistically probably do an entire section on, like, how to play Cabal Therapy, 
and then another one on how to play Brainstorm, and another one on how to play Sensei's Divining Top and Top Tricks. Like, the amount of things that you can do are just astronomical. Um, how much time do we have left before I go rambling on one of these? Like, I, I would say, like, two or three minutes, because we're already past the hour mark, so... Alright, so I'm going to go over... Earlier on, we talked about Price of Progress and how I turned a 14-point Price of Progress into zero damage. This is back when I was playing Maverick, and my friend was playing Burn, and I have, like, a Savannah, a Wasteland, a Maze of Ith, a Dryad Arbor... Let's see, Savannah, Wasteland, Maze of Ith, Dryad Arbor... I think another Savannah... Some other duel. Maybe a fetch. Because I think that puts us to seven. Yeah. Maybe one of them was a fetch land. It's like, I have that. Um, somebody pull up the Oracle text of Scrib Ranger for me so I don't fuck this up. Of what? Scrib Ranger. <laughs> so, basically, I use the knight to get rid of my Savannah to get a Wasteland. I Wasteland my Maze of Ith and another one of my lands... So now I've gone from having 7 to 6 to 5 to 4. Return a force you control to its owner's hand. Untap target creature. Place ability only once per turn. So then, so I've just wastelanded two of my lands. I killed my savannah to get the other wasteland. So now I've killed five of my seven lands. I then use my dry, uh, Scrib Ranger to bounce the Dryad Arbor to my hand because it's a forest to untap my Knight of the Reliquary to tutor off my last non-basic to get a basic forest. And I just turned a 14-point Price of Progress into zero damage. Actually, I think my opponent took two off of it. <laughs> uh. And then, like, I just killed him next turn with this, like, 11-11 Knight. Because it just had seven lands under the graveyard. What do I care? Yeah. 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 Now that Tyson's done jerking off over here. Uh, look, that was a great, well, I mean, do we have anything great to follow memory. up with? I mean, I can tell you one about the top tricks when Emails. I was playing against on. Uh, oh, that's right. When I was playing against Splinter Twin two years ago. You might want to. You might want to save that. All right. I also have an interesting top story as well. Oh, uh, I don't. You probably heard this one before. I probably. Anyways. So are we gonna are we gonna call the shot here that after we do this thing we'll have a top story one eventually? Nah, we'll have top stories next week. Next week? Yeah. What about this? Well, that's top stories. You do this now, we do top stories next week. No, I mean, read what the thing says. I mean, now hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, I read. I'm gonna read this email now. We know that, but we're uh -huh. gonna have to do what this email says yeah, eventually. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it next week. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're gonna do everything next week. We'll yeah. talk about yeah everything next week. Cabal therapy, including take over the world. Uh, we've already done that. Uh, hey. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this is from uh, one of our friends. Actually, so this is nothing to it. I mean, yeah. Hey, podcast people. For your bi-weekly brew, I would like to see something with Decimator of Providences, Baby Hoof, and Standard. Also, I think Eternal Scourge could do something, so see what you guys can come up with. Keep up the good work, guys. Alright, so Eternal Scourge is what? what? Four I don't mana? Know what that thing does. It's a four mana that can be cast from Exile, so it's really good against Declaration in Stone and Anguished I'm making, if I remember correctly. So that's... Right, that's... right, right, right. Am I right? Did I get it? Did I get it? Uh, you may cast Eternal Scourge from Exile, and when uh. Eternal Scourge becomes a target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls Exile Eternal Scourge. So basically, it's 
pretty much herpes. It just keeps coming back. Yeah, like it dodges all spot removal and then it just comes back later. Well, it doesn't when really it's... dodge it. It just exiles itself, so you have to recast it. Yeah, that means it blanks your opponent's removal spell. Yeah. All right, and it's three mana, right? Three yes. mana for a three-three. Yep. So here's the question that we have to ask back: Do you want this and Baby Hoof in the same deck? Uh, I Why don't does he think say so. Decimator of Providence? Also, I think he misspelled it. He yeah, said I think he said Providences, but it's Provinces. It's Provinces. It's I just call it Crater Hand Behemoth. Anyways, yeah. I have a question. Huh? You know how there's a, what is it, it's a two mana, or it's a four mana, two generic blue blue for a flyer? It's used in um, Food Chain. Miss yeah, Miss Holographin. Do you think you could just replace it? No. Why not? So, the big reason is that... Actually, I don't have a good reason. <laughs> you can pitch Mist Hollow to Force of Will. That's why. That's probably realistically the only <laughs> one. You uh, said no, but you didn't know why. Mist Hollow also flies, and I don't think this thing does. No, it doesn't. But at the same time, you're usually just getting yeah, a bunch of mana and pulling some, or something. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Probably not, because you can't pitch this thing to Force of Will. I mean, maybe they just play both now? But <laughs> Food Chain's another legacy deck we didn't go over. Um, it's a pretty fringe deck. So is Aloran, so is Stacks. Like, there's a lot of fringe decks that we just didn't go over. We briefly mentioned Stompy Lists and things like that. Anyways. Um, like, if you want us to go into more detail about any of these, feel free to message us. Tim, about, what's the email? Uh, that would be memorylapsepodcast at gmail.com. He still does it so much better than I ever will, so we're just going <laughs> to let him do it every time. Sure. <laughs> they don't even know the email. They're lying to you. It's like I say it, and then all of a sudden... It's like the silence from Doctor Who. Like, I say it, and they're like, yeah, what? What'd you just say? What, what just happened? Anyways. memorylapsepodcast at gmail.com. Son of a bitch. You just proved me wrong. Wow. But yeah, that is also that. because you just I, said it. I think you say it better. Yeah. Anyways, is there I say a lot of things email better. We have? What? Is there, is there another email we have, or is that the only one? That's I think the only, that's only one we have. One. Come on, guys. We only get one email a week. It's like, like one email a month or something. Step up your game! <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't know how many listeners we actually have. But we do thank all of you who do listen. All dozen of you or something like that. Woo-hoo! You will not have a spot in my heart till you email us. Gingy. All right, so two of them have a spot hey, in Ginger's heart. You're all dicks until you email us. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I told you. I mean, to be fair, he is soulless. Yeah, that's right. We do, we don't just call him Gingy. He is quite quite ginger. <laughs> quite. I almost feel like we need to do, like a profile picture of the three of us for this thing. <laughs> oh my god! All of us doing the memory laughs face. <laughs> Well, the thing is, which one? Because that card's yeah. had so many different arts. But the one that we have is our uh, icon. Yeah. I think I think the icon serves us well. I think it's it hilarious really every time I see it. Um, so next week, I think we'll probably we'll talk about anything that you guys email us about, as far as you know, some of the lists that we mentioned, potentially how to play with some of these cards, because like mm-hmm. it's gonna take a while to actually compile a list and reason of things for how to do these properly, and we may even get some of them wrong. To be honest. Um, but beyond that, I think we'll be relatively deep in spoiler season next week. And I definitely want to talk about some of these cards that we're getting. Mm-hmm. It is killing me. We're like 65 or 70 cards through now. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned one of them. Well, it's just we keep having so many other topics to talk about, which is unusual because it's like, usually it's like, we had nothing to talk about. Let's, spoilers, whatever. Well, I mean, 
right now we're in spoiler season, though. And I'm really excited for some of these cards, in case people can't tell. Nissa, Nissa's pretty sweet. New Nissa. What? The six-drop Nissa? That thing's trash. I didn't even see it. What? <laughs> no, like, I literally Ginger's didn't see completely it. lost. So, the joke that I'm making, by the way, for anybody unaware, is that this is the set we officially get the Planeswalker intro packs. Yeah. And all of the Planeswalkers in them, I think, are going to be 4XX, where X is their Keller's mana, co- mana symbol. Because, like, we have a Chandra that's 4 red red. We have a Nissa that's 4 green green. Yeah. We're missing three more walkers still, but uh, these things just look god-awful for competitive play. But they're going to be great for casual players getting into the game. Because it's a good way to be like, oh, hey, check it out. I got a Planeswalker. Isn't this cool? And people like that. EDH. Actually, I kind of looked at... I don't at, even think they're good in EDH. I, I kind of looked at the new Nissa and I thought, you know, that... that If you did Saltai Control and did it right, you can still play that in so competitive magic. Which new Nissa are we talking about? The 5-mana one or the 6-mana one? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't remember. <laughs> See? This is things we'll talk about next week. Spoiler time next week. Woo! And I'm just still stuck on the fact that Tyson said we might be wrong. Meaning, he might be wrong. About what? About, you know, the mechanics and stuff of so talking wait, about wait, stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, how to play the for, uh, yeah. Yeah, ball therapy and force will yeah. stuff properly? Uh, I get things wrong. But he still say, he said it again. So apparently either we're going to have a two-hour podcast next week or we're going to be picking topics out of a hat. Just <laughs> 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 All right, so on that. Crater Ham and spoilers. Yes. I agree with that. Wait, what? Craterham and spoilers. And spoilers. Okay. Well, if you'll remember a Lupine prototype uh, brew episode, <sighs> it does it does take a while to get through that shit. But we'll see what we can do. All right. So uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up with that because I'm tired and getting a little irritable. But uh, <laughs> wait, isn't that just your normal everyday attitude? Uh, yeah, but it's getting worse. So I have to give in to it. Yeah, let's call Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, basically, prolonged exposure to Tyson. Ouch. <laughs> Anywho. Anyhow, uh, just remember to uh, contact us, which whichever topic we've spitballed you'd like to hear about the most, you can email us uh, at memorylapsepodcast at gmail.com. I didn't even have to say that. I just did it for these two because they apparently like hearing me say it. But anyway. Say it again, Tim. <laughs> Do it. Memory lapse podcast at gmail.com. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Enough of that. Anyway, I am Tim, and I am saying goodbye. I'm Jinji. See ya later. I'm Tyson. See you guys next week. Sorry about the delay for Labor Day, because nobody works on Labor Day. We didn't have to mention that.